Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Joey Valcarcel. Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you in the house today. Is anybody excited for the Word of God? I'll tell you what, there's nothing like it in the whole wide world. And uh, today I'm excited uh, for what I believe the Lord has for me to share with you. And so um, uh, today, if you're taking notes, the title of the message is this, First Things First. First Things First. And wouldn't you know, we're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at chapter 1, verse number 1. We're going all the way back to the beginning. And uh, let me just say this as you turn. Uh, recently in my, um, my personal Bible devotion, I read through Genesis chapter 1. I'm not sure what fully led me there. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads you and you don't even realize it's Him. Uh, and that's all right, right? As long as it's Him that's leading us. And uh, I got here to Genesis chapter 1 and I read through it. And uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. When I was done, I just thought to myself, man, if the world could just get a hold of this one chapter, this first chapter of Genesis, how much trouble it would save them and how much good it would do them. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I even thought to myself, well, you know what? Thank God today it doesn't matter, you know, what the world does or what the world chooses. Today you and I can choose to get a hold of the things of God, of the principles of God, of God's Word, apply it in our life, and find God's blessing in our life, as well as, and I love this, arrive at the destination that He has for us. Can somebody say amen? And so um, I just read through it, and I was just, man, God just ministered to my heart. Now, of course, this is a familiar portion of Scripture, right? If you've been around church any amount of time or if you've done any kind of, maybe you're not a Christian in the place. Don't worry, we'll take care of that at the end. Uh, but, but you know that the Word of God, that Genesis, um, gives creation's credit to God. And so, um, and so what I wanted to say is that uh, even though this took place so long ago, even though this is a familiar chapter, you know, if you're young earth like me, some six to 10,000 years ago, right? If you're old earth like some millions and billions of years ago, either way, not to be controversial tonight, it took place a long time ago, right? But I believe that it is just as relevant and as pertinent today as it has ever been. In fact, it may even be more relevant and pertinent to our lives today. Um, listen, God's word will always be relevant. God's word will always be pertinent. No matter how long this thing called life goes on, no matter how long Jesus tarries, come on, the word of God will always have something to say. The word of God will never grow old. The word of God will never run dry. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white. I don't care. I don't care. Any old way you want to cut this thing, God's word will transcend all of the facets of human life and come and speak life, come and speak peace, bring God's power into our life. And so that's what I encountered when I read Genesis 1. Is that all right for me to say right here at the beginning? And so with no further ado tonight, first things first, let's begin here in Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse number 1, and we're going to read the first five verses here. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. 
Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, so the evening and the morning were the first day. Isn't it good to go back to the beginning? It's good to go back to the beginning of something, right? Good to go back and remember how something started. Good to go back and remember why something started. Good to go back and remember uh, the original intent of something. It's good to go back to the beginning also because it's good to remember where you came from. It's good also to see the progression of how things started, then over the days and over the weeks and over the months and years, how they developed and how they progressed and how you got to where you are today. In fact, I also believe it's good to go back to the beginning because the beginning helps provide us the right place to start. And if you start in the right place, you'll set yourself up for finishing in the right place. You'll set yourself up for finishing uh, the right way. Jesus said this, Jesus said, hey, listen, if you're going to build a house, you need to start with the right material, and that is a rock. I'm the rock, what I have to say is the rock, and if you do what I say, you'll build your house, your life on the rock, and when the storms come, you'll withstand the storms. But if you start in the wrong place with the wrong material and you build your house on the sand, then when the storms of life come, well, great will be great will be its calamity. And so it's good to go back to the beginning for a number of different reasons. Now, stay with me today because I have a point. I think that you guys realize this because if you've ever taken the time to go back through, you know, your photo book, to go back through a, a, a family photo book and uh, there in your photo book, you know, whether, whether a literal one or a digital one, because nowadays, you know, when I was a, when I was a boy, uh, at my mom and dad's house, we had this shelf, and there was these very large binders. And uh, my mom had literally taken the pictures that she had taken that she developed at Kmart. Kmart ain't even around anymore. And she would insert them into those, you know, those plastic sleeves, right? And so whether your, your, your photo book is, is literal or it's digital, it's on Facebook, it's on Instagram, or you're scrounging around, you know, for a hard drive somewhere, okay, you know what we're talking about here, that it's good to go back to the beginning. There in your family photo book, what will you find? You'll find your, your precious children. You remember how young and how cute and how innocent they were and how over time they, right, they, they grew up and they became the teenagers or the men and women that they are today. There in your, in your photo book, you'll find, uh, you'll find your precious spouse, right? And you'll remember, oh yeah, that's why I married you. <laughs> You remember those feelings. You remember the, the, the pursuit. You remember that first date, that first kiss. You'll remember, honey, I had to tease you just a little bit. I'm sorry. You remember walking the aisle. It, it, it takes you back to the beginning, and, and you remember, right? Uh, it's good to go back to the beginning, um, and, and there in your photo book, what you, you'll find uh, younger pictures of yourself, your younger self, right? 
And there in your photo book, you'll, you'll see yourself uh, getting your first job and driving your first car and getting your, your, you know, your first place to live, an apartment or a house or, or whatever, it, whatever it might be. There in your photo book, you'll find yourself and you'll think, man, whoever let me wear those things? Whoever let me do my hair like that? Uh, can I put it to you this way? Um, it's good to go back to the beginning again because it reminds us of where we came from. Right? It reminds us, what are we saying today? It reminds us of how things got started. It reminds us of why things got started. It reminds us of original intent. It reminds us why or what we were uh, attempting to achieve in the first place. It reminds us of our humble beginnings. See, there, as you look at your, humble, at your younger self, you have to remember that you weren't always as smart as you are today, that you didn't always look as good as you do today. That you did not always make the amount of money that you make today. You did not always have the, the amount of influence that you have today. Listen, my friend, you and I all started from the same place, and God came along and said, I'm going to do something with this life. I'm going to bless this life. I'm going to raise this person up for my glory and for my purposes. And so you find yourself way back then, and here you are today, all glory belonging to the Lord. You know, there was a man by the name of Saul who, when he first began, he was very humble. He told the prophet, who am I that you are speaking such great words to me? The, the, the prophet Samuel came along and said, he said, hey, listen, hey, listen, you, you are great. Are you not the great one? Are you not the chosen one? And he's like, I'm like the least in my whole nation. But then by the time he became king, Saul, or, excuse me, Samuel had to remind him, hey, you remember when you used to be small? in your eyes, but now you're the big shot, and now you think that you can even go beyond God's word. Going back to the beginning is so very vitally important. Maybe there in your, in your photo album, you'll, you'll be reminded of both good and bad decisions, hurts and pains, things said, things done, triumphs, disappointments, and if allowed to, looking back can become a means of wisdom by which it helps propel us forward into what God has for us. Uh, what I'm trying to say today is that when you look back to the beginning, if filtered properly, looking back and going back to the beginning can become a means of realignment so as to propel us forward into an even better and brighter future. Are you hearing me today? Going back to the beginning becomes a means of realignment to propel us forward into an even better and an even brighter future. The Bible communicates that we humans often have a tendency to forget. We forget. We forget God's purposes. We forget God's original intent. We forget the principles that we put to practice in order to get where we are today. We forget where we, where we came from. And so all throughout God's word, you'll find this communication from God reminding people of who he is, reminding people of where they came from, reminding people of his purposes and of his principles so that they can stay on track with God. 
And so what I'm trying to say to you today is that's what we are going to find in Genesis. We are going back to the beginning. We are going to discover how things got started, why things got started, what God's original intent is. I didn't plan on talking about this today, but there in Genesis it says that God made humanity. He created them male and female, and he created them in his own image. And it speaks so much to us today about, you know what, if God put so much dignity and value on a human life that he used nothing, he he used the greatest thing in, in the universe to make us by which was himself, then you and I ought to dignify and respect and value the people around us, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their political party. Come on, somebody, this is pertinent for our nation today and where we are at. He created them male and female. I better leave that one alone. Going back to the beginning, how, why, God's original intent reminds us of where we've come from, and it helps us start every day from the right place. Is anybody listening today? So I want to approach the points this evening this way. First things first. You've got to start with God. First things first. Start with God. As we go back to the beginning here in the Word of God, what do we see the Scripture doing? We see the Scripture bringing God back to the forefront of our attention, back to the forefront of our thinking. Notice here, let me read it again, uh, here in Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse number 1. It says, in the beginning, God, God. Six times in the first five verses, the Bible directly references God. God created the heavens and the earth. And it was the Spirit of God who hovered over the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Then God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And God saw that it was good. And on and on it goes. In, 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 in a day number two, God. And in day number three, God. And in day number four, God. And in day number five, God. And in day number six, God. And even in day number seven, while God was resting, it was still all about God. Pastor Joe, why are you screaming? Because I'm excited about God. Maybe we could stop right here and ask ourselves this question. What is our level of awareness of God? That's what Genesis is communicating. Hey, this whole thing began because of God and by God and through God. What is your level of awareness of God? You see, so often in life we walk around and, man, where's God? What's God up to? God forgot about me. God maybe doesn't love me anymore. God doesn't answer my prayers. My friend, the Bible just describes here in Genesis that six out of the seven days of the week, God is up to doing something, and he's up to doing something good. So it's not a matter of whether or not God is up to doing something in your life, for your life, through your life. It's a matter of we've lost sight of him. We've lo- God is no longer at the forefront of our thinking, and so we miss God's working and God's moving in our life. And so what we must do is we must, in our culture and in our day when everything is vying for our attention, Everything is asking for, for us to, to, give it, uh, it, uh, uh, to give it our attention, our responsibilities, our duties. There's civil unrest. There's COVID-19. There are things coming at us all the time, and we must take the time to stop 
and to give our attention and refocus back on God. That's what Genesis is doing here. Hey, listen, don't forget about God. It's bringing God to the forefront of our thinking, to the forefront of our attention. But then not only does it bring our attention back to God, it also brings, us, uh, it also brings our attention to his role in life. Stick with me now. Stick with me today. You're a little bit quiet tonight. I believe that's because you're listening. Okay? What is Genesis doing over and over and over and over again? God, 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 bringing our attention back to God. But not just our attention back to God, but onto his role in life. And the first thing that Genesis begins to do is begins to depict for us that he is both creator and sustainer of all living things. He is both the creator and the sustainer of all of life. Let me explain. He's the creator. He's the maker. He's the manufacturer. He's the inventor of the entire universe and all of its hosts. That's who he is. He's the giver of life. God in his own imagination, God by his own wisdom, God in his own understanding made all things. I love how John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 says, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created all things, and without him nothing was made that was made. He's the creator. He's responsible. Let me put it to you this way. God claims comprehensive ownership of all things. He holds the patents to all of creation. He made it. He owns it. What is the conclusion then? No one else has the rights to life more than God. Nor does anybody else understand how this thing, this thing works more than God. I love what God tells Job in Job 38. He's, and let me paraphrase. Job, where were you when I put it all together? You weren't there. You weren't around. And so the, the, the communication is, hey, he's creator and he's sustainer. So don't think that you can do this life without him. He's the creator. I, 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 Genesis 1 comes along and distinguishes God from all others as God. Did you hear what I just said? Genesis 1 distinguishes God from everyone else, from everything else, and it lifts him up and it sets him on high as God. It distinguishes him. It distinguishes him as creator. It distinguishes him as preeminent. And so our job now is to do the same. It is to distinguish God as God, to lift him up, to make him preeminent. In other words, to to, to see him as we sang tonight, holy, separate, set apart. He is to be esteemed and he is to be honored as God. Some people bring God down to their level. Other people dismiss him altogether. We must distinguish and honor him. One more verse on this point. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. I love how the New Testament describes God. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. Watch the response. To whom be honor 
and everlasting power. Amen. It distinguishes God. God is to be held in the highest place of honor in our lives, above all things. Don't lose sight of our point now. Our point is first things first, start with God. What we're saying is Genesis is bringing God back to the forefront of our attention, establishing him and distinguishing him as God. He is creator, but not just creator, he's the sustainer. Look with me again at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse number 2, okay? Actually, let me back up for just a moment. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there was a creation in existence. You follow me? But then watch what happens next. This creation, the earth, was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What is the Bible communicating? Just because you have been created, and just because you have existence, doesn't mean you have life and doesn't mean you have order. See, life without God, as it describes here in verse number two, is void. It's vacant. It's empty. It is dark. And then the Bible says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In other words, we need the Spirit's involvement in our life to bring life, to bring fulfillment, to bring order, to bring purpose, to bring definition. In the beginning, God created, but there it is, the creation, void, dark, empty. And so will our lives be when we remove God from the picture. This idea is reinforced once again when we see God blessing. God blesses the animals. God blesses the creatures of the, of the sea and says, be fruitful and multiply. See, he's the creator and he's the sustainer. He tells humanity, hey, be fruitful, multiply, take dominion. Once again, he's the creator and he's the the sustainer, the creator and the one who gives order, the creator and the one who keeps it going on the right path to fulfill his purposes. Just to be clear tonight, what is the takeaway of all of this? That God as creator and sustainer should be at the forefront of our thinking, that we should approach the dynamics of life and the situations of life and the challenges of life, starting with him. We should look to him for definition, for direction, for understanding. We look to him for purpose, for fulfillment, for pleasure. Whether it's in marriage or it's with family or it's with politics or it's with faith. In everything, we look to him. He's God, he's creator, he's sustainer, and we start everything with him. First things first, start with God. Number two, first things first, remember God is good. Remember that God is good. In Genesis chapter 1, verse number 4, and again in verse number 10, and again in verse number 12, and again in verse number 18, and again in verse number 21, and again in verse 25, and just in case you didn't catch it, it concludes verse 31. Let me read it to you. Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. What is the communication? That God is a good God. After each of these these places in creation, 
Verse 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, 25, and again in 31. What is the Bible saying? That you know what? God is good. That his character is good. That his intent is to be good to you and to me. God could have done this whole thing backwards. God could have done this whole thing inside out. God could have just started off this whole thing and just really did us wrong. You follow me today? But because God is a good God and his intent to us is to be good, the Bible makes it clear here that when God turned around after each of these moments, he evaluated and saw that it was good. It's good. Through it all, we must remember that God is a good God. Through all of the ups, through all of the downs, uh, through all of the victories, through all of the triumphs, through all of the disappointments, uh, through all of the letdowns, through all of the tragedies, through all of the, again, the civil unrest and, and everything that we're dealing with today, we must remember that God is a good God. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter where you find your life at, even whether you expect it to be here or not, you must remember that God is a good God. And the devil would love nothing more than for us to conclude that, you know what, we're forgotten, uh, uh, we're not loved, God really isn't as good as he said he is, look at what I'm going through. No, 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 no. You've got to have the revelation firm on the inside that God is a good God. And I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 21, verses 13 and 14, I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart if I hadn't believed. You know, we walk around quite a bit nowadays talking about, come on, be in faith and, and, and believe and believe and believe and, and be in faith. Be, believe what? Well, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us what to believe. Believe that you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That is to say that you're going to see it in this lifetime. Sooner or later, the goodness of God is going to overwhelm the situation in this life. Sooner or later, God is going to get some glory out of the situation in this life. And when we don't believe, what happens is just what the Bible says, we lose heart. We give up. We throw in the towel. We cave when we should be believing in the goodness of God. Look what it says next. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Where are all my good courage Christians at today? <laughs> Willing to declare the goodness of God over their life. Willing to declare the goodness of God over their marriage. Willing to declare the goodness of God over their children. Willing to declare the goodness of God over their bodies. Willing to declare the goodness of God over you name it. Good and courageous. And what happens and God will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. James chapter 5, verse number 11 uh, affirms this thought as well. It says, indeed, we count them blessed who endure. Hello, somebody. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Genesis chapter 1 Starts us off from the beginning and says, take a look. You got you, you to get a hold of something. God is a good God. By the time you get to James, it says, take a look at the end. You got the beginning and the end. What do we find? Both places, God is good. Job went through hell. Have you read Job? Has anybody told you the story? Job went through it. 
And what does the Bible say here? The end intended by the Lord, which is to be compassionate and merciful to him. That's so good. I want to say this to you as well, that even if this life should pass you by and you feel like I never saw the goodness of God in my life or this person never saw the goodness of God come to full fruition in their life. Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 8, verse number 18, says, makes this bold statement. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hey, listen, at some point, did you, did, did you catch that? It don't matter what you go through down here. When you get there, it ain't going to matter one bit. In fact, it's not even going to be worthy to be compared with the goodness and the glory of God. At some point, God's goodness is going to overwhelm the situation. First things first, start with God. First things first, remember He is good. And the final thing tonight, first things first, be thankful. Be thankful. Now, I didn't plan this. I, I happened to kind of put this together and had it going around in my heart. And, and then I realized, hey, I think like the last, well, if you include this one, the last three Wednesday nights, I think the last point of each of the message had something to do with thankfulness. Maybe God's trying to say something. No, I didn't copy Pastor Jim's notes. <laughs> After I got done reading Genesis chapter 1, I just found myself in a place of thanksgiving. God, I'm thankful. God, I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful, God, there's, there's nobody better to look to than you because you are creator. You are sustainer. You are distinguished. God, you are good. And God, you have been good to me. And if there's anything in this life that I have enjoyed, it's all because of you and because of your goodness. You cause, in fact, the sun to rise on the just and the unjust. You cause rain to rain down on the just and the unjust because you are good and because you are loving You've been faithful to me in my life. You've been faithful to my family. You have paid my bills. You have given me everything that I need. My God, I am thankful for who you are, and I am thankful for what you have done. Thanksgiving. We are to be thankful. Now, I'm going to read to you a little bit of a serious verse tonight because I want you to see how crucial Thanksgiving is. And this is our last verse tonight in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Romans chapter 1. Verses 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Wait a second, Pastor Joe. You're just talking about God. You're just talking about his goodness. Now you're talking about the wrath of God. Yep, wait, wait, just hold on. Just hold, just hold your horses. Just hold on just one second. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God, watch this, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. What, Pastor Joe, did God manifest? What has he shown them? Watch what it says next. For since the... What did we talk about tonight? For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. 
Isn't that what we just said? Genesis communicates the Godhead, the distinguishment, the preeminence of God. Creation, okay? And you can go outside and you can look at it for yourself, right? For since, the, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Watch this next part. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. That's what we talked about today, glorifying God as God and being thankful. Can I say it to you this way? Notice here in Romans chapter 1, okay? Glorifying God as God and being thankful are the safeguards against human decay. Let me say that again, all right? Glorifying God as God and being thankful are the safeguards against human decay. Just read the rest of Romans chapter 1. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And human decay in our own lives. Okay? But not just are they safeguards against decay. They also fuel us to continue to experience the goodness of the Creator in every part of our lives. Honoring God and being thankful. Honoring God and being thankful. You know, I think so many times in life we... we uh, uh, we kind of go to complaining and moaning and groaning. And, you know, we run to our friends and we gossip and we manipulate and we, we do all these kinds of things where if we would just be thankful. Come on, there's at least one thing out there today, no matter where you are, that you can be thankful to God for. And if you'll, st if you'll honor him and start there, you'll find all of a sudden the joy of the Lord will begin to fill your heart. The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is our strength. All of a sudden, you'll start to find strength. You'll start to find hope. You'll start to wonder, where did all this faith on the inside come from? It came from you honoring God and being thankful. They fuel us to continue to experience the goodness of the Creator in every aspect of our lives. Today, if you got something good from God's Word, come on, go ahead and give Jesus a great big praise. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.